Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everyone. Sorry to interrupt the beginning of this exciting episode. I just wanted to put a little disclaimer here that Morgan and I wanted to make a special recording, an extended Bogong Bulletin, to discuss the recent news about COVID restrictions and their implications on the ski resorts. We did talk about the potential for some of them to close here in Victoria, and that has actually eventuated. So we recorded that on Wednesday. Today is Thursday, so we're a bit behind the news, but I hope you can enjoy this episode. Um, Next week, we had a chat recently to one of the cross-country groomers, and we're going to be a little bit behind the news on that one too. But apologies in advance. I hope you enjoy them, and yeah, thanks for listening. And once more from the top. Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those telly guys. Okay, welcome to Those Telly Guys, the Australian free healing podcast where we discuss Trump politics, global warming, COVID-19, rowdy snowpacks and of course telemark skiing my name's morgan and i'm joined as ever by richard to help me find meaning in any of this and make sense of the first few official weeks of australia's ski season how are you rich no i'm not bad morgan it's it's good to be here uh, and i'd love to talk about the rowdy snowpack it's been wild out there so wild in fact that we've had um, some rescues already in in various places throughout the australian alpine region but we'll talk more about that later yeah so it's been an interesting first couple of days to the official Australian ski season, I suppose. How's it looked like from the perspective of a local in Mount Beauty, Rich? It has been insanely busy in town and in the other various towns in the Alpine Shire. I guess everyone has been able to sneak up before the Melbourne lockdown, obviously, and uh, get a few laps in on the small amount of chairs on offer at Hotham and Falls Creek at the moment and have had to deal with the unfortunate news that they will be returning home and getting locked up. But many of them are still here having a good time. Yeah, although the directive of the state government is actually that I I believe they have said in writing, if you are away on a holiday, you may continue to be on your holiday until you return home inevitably. Um, But yeah, there's no direction from the government that people need to immediately return back to their homes. As far as I'm aware, people are allowed to continue their holiday. So if they've booked in, you know, at Hotham or False Creek or something, then, you know, they could continue their time away at the snow conceivably. And they are. Some people are even extending their time here, which is great. I mean, I'm sure I would too if I was um, inevitably going back to a perilous hell of lockdown. I'd probably uh, hang out in a place I could for a bit longer too. So, yeah, definitely people extending their stays, booking air accommodation for longer, which they can pretty much do because any booking after theirs is cancelled, really. There's no one else able to travel here, especially, you know, New South Wales. The border being so close is being closed and anyone from Melbourne, which would I would say is probably 90% of the market, 
for Falls Creek and Hotham can no longer get here. So free reign on the accommodation, stay as long as you like. Book your days in on the mountain, which is sold out still for the next two weeks mm. and uh, enjoy it while you can. Although I would imagine that that would change though because you mentioned the all the days being booked out on the mountain for the next two weeks, which is all they'd opened it up for at this stage, I think. I suppose people, there will be a lot of people that would be in Melbourne currently and obviously Melbourne going into lockdown tonight, they will not be able to go and honour their booked day at the snow. So I, I would think that some days will open up. Yeah, it's interesting. I definitely thought that too. And this week, there's definitely some days that opened up, but they opened next week, the bookings for next week on Tuesday and there's, you know, after they announced the border closing and Melbourne going into lockdown and it's still sold out for next week. So, I don't know who these people are or where they're coming from, but at the moment, it's it's still sold out. That might change though. Yeah. Yeah, say. well, I guess like we said, um, Melbourne hasn't actually entered lockdown yet. That will be midnight tonight. So, potentially, people are still trying to make the mad dash for the hills while they can. Yeah, very true. Get up here for next week if you've booked it all. Yeah, it might drag the ski season out a bit longer, but we're, we're kind of touching on the toes of the, uh, the bulletin here, I suppose, aren't we? This is the Bilgong Bulletin. Yeah, well, the first thing, Rich, um, this morning, Al Chumpy Pullen, the three-time Winter Olympian for Australia, died tragically uh, up on the Gold Coast. So, yeah, he was he was a Winter Olympian three times, I believe, and was the flag bearer at the 2014 Sochi Winter Olympic Games and two times world champion of the snowboard cross in 2011 and 2013. So, sad news of his passing today. Yeah, it's very sad and especially um, for the smaller community around Mansfield where he his local mountain was obviously Mount Buller and, you know, I'd Distinctly remember driving to Mount Buller and seeing, you know, giant billboards of Alex Chumpy Paul and kind of representing Mount Buller. But yeah, also for the wider Alpine community, it's 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 very sad. Definitely was an ambassador for the sport and all the work he did for the junior programs. That'll definitely be be hit pretty hard. Those youngsters that looked up to him, I suppose, will be devastated. Yeah. So condolences to Alex's family and close friends uh, from us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so Mount Buller, I saw today, Rich, per Mountain Watch, this information's from, will they've they have announced that they will continue to operate until July the 12th, uh, which is this Sunday, and then apparently they will issue a statement for a revised plan on July the 10th, which is this Friday. And now, obviously, we're going to talk about all of the resorts, and but probably more in particular the Victorian resorts. Mount Buller is... So, not so much, uh, is a lot closer to Melbourne than Falls Creek and Hotham. So, you would think that they will be impacted to a greater extent than Falls Creek or Hotham by this lockdown of metropolitan Melbourne. Absolutely. I reckon it's almost going to be like just pulling the old desktop power cord out and just watching the screen go black, you know, with Windows 95. (laughs) I don't really think... And Buller can survive without its power source, which is Melbourne, essentially. You know, I, I can't see anyone from uh, the northeast of Victoria, you know, around the Alpine Shire flooding over to Buller to go skiing when our resorts are right here. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know if they're going to lean on the locals that much for them to stay open. So Yeah, well, for sure. Obviously, yeah, we just spoke about Mansfield being the hometown of Alex Pullen. But, yeah, Mansfield is a, you know, not a, not a massive town. And you've got Benalla and Wangaratta and Shepparton sort of getting further and further away. But the amount of people that they would provide, you know, well, the amount of people going to Mount Buller from those towns would be really insignificant compared to Melbourne, given that, you know, it's really just over two hours sort of thing, two and a half hours to get to Mount Buller uh, from some parts of Melbourne. And I guess in, yeah, in like skiing or, you know, winter circles, Mount Buller is often referred to as, you know, oh, that's the, that's the mountain where all the Melbourne people go to. It sort of has that um, that name tag associated with it, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and can speak from experience too, having been there on a busy holiday and uh, yeah, waiting in line, much like we did last year at Perisher. Um, Perisher might be similar. Uh, for Sydney people, as Buller is for Melbourne people, just crazy lift lines, people everywhere. It really kind of took away from the experience of mine. It's still a great place to ski. I really love skiing in Mount Buller, especially when it's completely open. It's a, a great place to ski, no doubt. But yeah, it does does get the the heavy amount of traffic from Melbourne for sure. And just speaking about locals, I, I, I don't know about the Buller situation, but I can certainly speak for Mount Beautians that a lot of people have... Um, got a refund on their Epic Pass after this first week because they just can't see the point of having yeah. one because it completely sold out. So, they just, they've got a refund and, you know, so I can't, I, it's kind of like, you know, the resorts did what they had to do to stay open, but in one way, I don't know if they shot themselves in the foot because all these locals that may have spent money in this time of lockdown are no longer going to go back up there and ski. So, I don't, I don't know what it's like for Buller, but I imagine it might be a similar situation. Well, you say they've shot themselves in the foot, but I, I, w- I would say that that's probably more or less out of their control. You know, they didn't know that Melbourne was going to go yeah. into lockdown for six weeks now. And if you if you said to Falls Creek, all right, you know, or Mount Buller or, or Perisher, if you said to any of those resorts, okay, you either get locals and people within a, you know, 100-kilometre radius come to your mountain for, you know, the whole season and no people from Melbourne, then or you can have people coming from Melbourne, of course, they're going to try and, you know, max out the amount of people travelling from a long distance or, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess travelling and spending money at, in, at um, you know, pubs and restaurants and on accommodation and things like that and, you know, multi-day lift passes for the family, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So, you know, I can kind of see what you're saying there, but I, but I also think the resorts were just trying to think about how they were going to make the most money in what is already a highly disturbed, well, not disturbed, disrupted snow season. Let's call it a disturbed <laughs> one too. You it's, know, COVID, yeah. COVID sneaking around behind the corner. You don't know, are you skiing down into a nice stash of powder or is it just, you know, another two weeks of lockdown if you get the COVID bug just around the corner of a snow gum or yeah, something? that's right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I guess I only, I only say that because I... There's a lot of disgruntled uh, people getting around saying how much better they would be uh, running the resort if they had the opportunity and this is how they do it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're absolutely correct. I know I totally agree well, with you on that regard. Well, here's a question. How much of it is really, and this is all, now we're just going to be wildly speculating because that's what we do best, but how much of it do you think is actually up to Falls Creek management and how much of it are they being, is, do you think their hand is being forced by Vale to an extent or 
not really. Like at a local level, do you think Falls Creek and Hotham and Perisher, do you think they're making the decisions about what's best for them or are they... Is their yeah? Is their hand being forced by by the shadow of Vale? It's like Mordor or something. There's someone sitting over in Colorado. The, that big eye. Who's pushing the orcs around? It's a difficult one. A lot of people seem to have, especially here, because I mean, in, there's a lot of people that are well educated about these things uh, more than I am. But I, I keep hearing different situ- uh, stories. Sorry about this and. One is that there's some sort of contractual agreement between okay. the two parties, between Vale and, say, Falls Creek Management. And somebody said to me that if resort management has the capacity to open, then Vale must open. And that was going to get pushed around a little bit, but someone else has since, um, in, the, in the last week or so, since said to me that that's not a thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's good to speculate about these things. Um but I know, I think there's a bit of fake news flying around. Absolutely. 2020 has been rife with fake news. <laughs> I mean, just the other day, <laughs> I saw that if you drank bleach and got on the snow blades, that COVID wouldn't be a thing for you. But I'm pretty sure that's not a real thing. Did Trump say that? I think, yeah, I think he said something about snow blades, I think. Well, I actually went on the False Creek website today, Rich, and it said that, <laughs> it actually said, if you have an inquiry, please don't call us. Please email us because they are having technical difficulties with their phones. Jeez. Cheeky lie, do you think? I don't <laughs> to know. To stop people from calling them? Maybe they just need some of those kids' novelty phones and need, need to, you know, when it rings, when it makes a noise, you've got to pick it up and pretend to talk in it as training. Maybe they've just forgotten how to know how to use phones. You pick it up when it's calling. I'm not sure, but it definitely sounds like a cheeky lie. Uh, Perhaps. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm assuming they're on, you know, some sort of landline up there with their phones. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, as soon as I read that, I sort of chuckled to myself and thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of people calling False Creek right now saying, when can I get in? Why can't I get in? The website's crashed or, you know, I want to go skiing with a family of 12. <laughs> you know, and they were just like, no, nah, that's it. Email us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emailing will be much more appropriate in these hard times when... Picking up the phone is so challenging. Yes. Uh, Falls Creek and Hotham have also uh, released the following statement, Rich. Yes. They have said, they said, we will carefully consider what the Premier's announcement means for our operations. So, obviously, a la Daniel Andrews' announcement yesterday. And in the meantime, the ski lifts will continue to operate as usual. That's very good. Um, The safety of our staff, guests and mountain communities will remain our highest priority. So obviously, they're contemplating their next move at the moment. So you would think that they will Hmm. remain business as usual until the end of the period where people had booked until, so at least until the end of next week yeah so yeah that is the next booking phase they announced and they haven't announced another one yet so yeah it i mean let's wildly speculate again you know that it does kind of seem like that it's going to be ran at some reduced capacity or if not at all which is sad news but you know Good news for me morgan that if they do happen to close or announce some sort of reduced capacity I will be at least skiing tomorrow. I've managed to weasel my way in. Some, some people must have cancelled. I've, I've been able to book in a spot on 
Towers chair tomorrow to do 1,000 laps of wow. that. So, that's exciting. Yes. It might be the only day I get in the resort. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, I'm very excited for you. So, at least I'll be able to warm the legs up in that capacity. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, you're right. It could be. could be your only day of resort skiing in Australia for the year. And this is a complete 360 from only a few weeks ago. We're getting quite chuffed about the resort opening and things were looking yeah. good with COVID, but... The second wave. That's what it's all about. Now we're at this. The second wave. Yes. If people could just stop waving. Hmm. Uh, the last the last point of all of this COVID-19 business is obviously, we touched on it earlier, but we haven't spoken much about the New South Wales and Victoria border, which has just closed uh, yesterday, I believe. Yeah. Um, do you think that Vale customers would feel ripped off by this border closure? So obviously Perisher, False Creek and Hotham are all owned by Vale, and if you have the Vale Epic Australia Pass, you are entitled to ski at any of them for any amount of days for the season, usually. So, obviously, if you live in Victoria, you can't go to Perisher, and if you live in New South Wales, you can't go to Falls Creek and Hotham. So, do you think um, people who have bought the Epic Australia Pass will feel ripped off by this, and do you think they are entitled to feel ripped off by this? I think that everyone will be very disappointed about this, um, especially as we've just mentioned, the hype about the resorts actually opening um, after the first wave. You know, everyone's quite excited. Things are looking good. I'm going to buy my Epic Pass and there's so many people sitting on the fence about buying one anyway. So, people have committed to it. Resorts are going ahead. Yes, I'll be able to ski. But now, uh, obviously, if I lived in New South Wales, there's only an hour from me across the border. I would, I would feel very disappointed. I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of this refund policy because I wouldn't feel ripped off if I can refund my Epic Pass. So, you've got until the 12th to refund okay. your Epic Pass, but I don't know if you've already skied a day if you can. I don't know the ins and outs of that. I know in the States when they uh, canned half the season because of COVID, they gave some sort okay. of refund back. So, I'm, I'm sure if Vale is true to the word in that regard, they would be offering something in return but yeah i definitely feel disappointed more than more than ripped off but i'm not sure i'm not sure if it, if you've already skied a certain amount of days and how they work out how much you get back yeah yeah well i mean for the for the initial price oh i think the early bird price is even less but the price that it was advertised at for the longest period of time was sort of the 889 dollars and the you know, the tagline mm. that went with that is that, oh, you will make your money back in four days if you are an adult. But, you know, it, it, the, the, the same for the same amount of money you would spend on buying four adult day tickets at Falls Creek, Hotham or Perisher, you could have just bought uh, your Epic Australia Pass. So, so I guess it, by what you're saying there, if you ski four days, then you've already sort of made your money back, haven't you? Uh, yes, Morgs. Um, should be an interesting time in the resorts. But uh, let's move on to the next point in the Bogong Bulletin. The long edition of the Bogong Bulletin is that we've had a few rescues in the Victorian and New South Wales Alpine regions. And one of those was on Mount Bogong on Saturday just gone when the snow was dumping down the top up that we needed to get the resorts opened, which would have been quite hairy up there. But the Bryce SES unit, which is the closest uh, SES unit to Mount Bogong, went up to rescue six people. 
that were stuck in the snow on top of Mount Bogong, literally near the summit can, which is what I think is an unusual place to camp at. But um, apparently the report says they were well equipped and they were caught by bad weather and were unable to make their way down the staircase spur. They were set up in two tents. Uh, one of them became damaged and they spent a cold night at the highest point in Victoria. Uh, Bright SES, Falls Creek Ski Patrol and Police Search and Rescue responded, going to Camp Creek Car Park at the bottom of Mount Bogong roads that were covered in ice and snow. Uh, Falls Creek SES supported in the rescue with logistical support back at Mount Beauty. In the morning, three ski patrollers, four SES and four search and rescue police assisted by the police helicopter, which we could hear buzzing around the top of uh, Mount Bogong down here in Mount Beauty, located the six people on the very top of Mount Bogong. The helicopter was unable to pick up the party, although the early morning was clear and sunny, clouds came in quickly. The party was escorted down the S-Dale Spur to Camp Creek Car Park and then driven in their vehicles to Mountain Creek. Morgan, what an ordeal that must have been for those poor six people on top of Mount Bogong. Yeah, that's uh, the summit of Bogong is not the not the ideal place to be stuck out uh of an evening i would have thought even in even in just a small amount of wind let alone a really windy night i'm not sure what it was like up there but it often tends to be quite windy at the highest uh, peak in victoria um yeah so i imagine it was a, a pretty unpleasant night out yeah and i can imagine that's probably why their tent may have broken um from what other accounts i've heard about this scenario is that they were actually trying to get to Cleave Coal Hut. Um, so I have no idea which way they went up or down Bogong, whether it was up Staircase or up Eskdale and then went the wrong way. And uh, apologies if this is incorrect to any of those people that might be listening, but that is certainly the rumour flying around um, and then got stuck on top of Mount Bogong and at least they had gear to spend the night up there even if that tent broke which is which is a good thing but it's makes you question why they might have gone up in weather like that morgan yeah it's i guess you know it really pays to look at the forecast and assess the conditions um you know obviously fresh snow can be really enticing um in the back country because you know we all uh, that's what um you know all most snowgoers and skiers and snowboarders alike uh, that's that's what everyone's chasing you know some some time in the backcountry uh with friends or and uh you know skiing the fresh snow and and getting out and amongst it so you know i know it can be enticing but uh, particularly in weather like that um you you want to really know what you're doing and where you are particularly along that that bogong summit ridge you can get it can get really really hairy up there in in my in my experiences up there. So there's also another search and rescue that occurred in New South Wales as well, Morgan, just outside of Threadbow. And this is a, an official statement from the New South Wales Police Force that said, Police are reminding snow enthusiasts to take extra care after two skis became lost and required police assistance in the snowy mountains backcountry on the weekend. Police had told the two men that were skiing outside the Threadbow Resort boundaries, both aged 32, became lost in the backcountry as the weather conditions deteriorated. So this was on the same time, I believe, as those people were on top of Mount Bogong. The pair became disoriented and contacted emergency services. Uh, the two men were carrying adequate provisions, which is great, but did not lodge a trip intention form and did not have a personal locator beacon. 
And there's a quote said, even the most capable skiers and snowboarders can get caught out. So, please be mindful of changing weather conditions and plan trips accordingly to your capabilities. Notify others when you're going. Have a communication plan in case of emergency and make sure you have plenty of appropriate clothing and equipment. A trip intention form and a personal locator beacon can make a huge difference in these situations. That's a, a decent summary or a decent so- statement, I should say. You've, you've got to be prepared when you're out in those conditions. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just touch on the personal locator beacon thing there, Rich, because um, you actually linked me to the post or the article about that um, particular incident yesterday or earlier today it might have been. And I think it was on the Facebook page Australian Backcountry and there was a lot of people commenting on or elaborating on the notion of the personal locator beacon. I actually, I don't own a personal locator beacon, nor have I ever actually taken one with me backcountry skiing. What's what's your take on the, the personal locator beacon? I wouldn't have thought it was a, like a super popular item uh, in the backcountry. I wonder if Morg's... That might have been a slip of the tongue and perhaps the police are just talking about avalanche beacons. I'm not sure. But in any case, I definitely do not take uh, something like a spot or a, a an emergency GPS device to let uh, emergency services know that I'm in trouble. It is increasing the amount of times you see people in the backcountry uh, carrying one of these devices. I don't take one. I think I believe that my, my planning has been adequate, I suppose. And I'm always with someone as well. But yeah, it, it's a tough one because you can always say that, you know, you can't plan for things you don't know are going to happen and, and just having that button you can press will assist you. But yeah, I'd like to, to hope that put in enough planning to avoid those situations and have a safety policy that kind of makes me always get out of the Alpine region at a certain time of day. So, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, my my response to what you've just said would be, I'm not trying to justify my actions, I guess. I'm just trying to explain my my state of mind or my thought processes while when going cross-country or backcountry skiing. I suppose I, yeah, I, I always have my mobile phone with me and I know that phone batteries are affected in the cold but I, I always take a battery bank with me as well. So I know that my phone's always going to be able to be charged for the time that I'm yeah. out there. Um, and I know that your phone doesn't always get reception where you are. And especially, you know, if you happen to fall while you were skiing down a gully and, um, you know, and there was no reception there at all, that's obviously an issue. But most of the time, even if you don't have reception, you'll still you're still able to make like an SOS call from your mobile phone these days. If you have if you have no reception, which I know it's the case for myself uh, being with Telstra, and that's just because I, th- I think the phone providers, they let you bounce off any any phone tower if, if it's for a, a triple zero or a 112 call. Um, that's my understanding of it. And also, like you said, I, I would never, I mean, obviously there's times where I've been alone in the backcountry, but like you say, you always try and go, especially if, you, if you're going to be out, you know, skiing lines or making a long trek across to Cleve Coal Hut in winter, you're always going to be with at least one other person. And that's why, I guess, and we also do it for avalanche safety reasons. You don't just both 
drop in at the same time because you don't want to you know cause a slide or something like that but if you know for example if i like skied down into a gully you would still be you know hypothetically waiting at the top or at the bottom for me to ski down and then you would be able to help me or get to a place where you could call out with reception so I guess that's that's where that's where my thinking's at with this. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I totally agree, and and do also take a a power bank. I will say that uh, my lovely wife, who's also very safety conscious, has purchased a spot, and it has now come to an agreement with her and I that if I'm off uh, by myself on some sort of trip, which is never in the Alpine region, as uh, well so far anyway, I certainly haven't gone up there by myself. I've always been with uh, some sort of partner in crime. But if I do find myself in a situation like that, it is now the uh, agreed plan that I will will take it just in case. But, um, Morgs, I don't plan on ever going up there by myself, so... No, I would. I wouldn't uh, go up. I would do everything possible to avoid going up and over Mount Bogong by myself in winter um, is basically what I would say. Well, Morgs, um, I think... I think we've kind of rambled on enough for the extended Bogong Bulletin. All right. Uh, you got a song for us this week, Rich? Oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Those are songs for the free heroes. All right. Uh, well, I, I do, and I got pretty emotional this week, Morgan, and decided to write a song for Mr. Sam Ferguson. Of course, if uh, you are a listener that have tuned into most of our episodes, uh, Fergie's one of the founding members of our little group here and he's stuck in South Australia and was looking forward to coming across with these borders potentially opening on the 20th of July, but um, their premier has since stated that will not happen for obvious reasons. So, for this foreseeable future, Mr. Ferguson is going to be stuck and surrounded by desert sand. So, I decided to write this little tune. He's a skiing man Stuck in South Australia Surrounded by desert sand No skiing for Samuel Those tough covert border closures He won't be seeing snow this time Head was full of dreams. Carbon wombats ramble while dropping telly knees. He could try to break out. Hot up in the mountains, drinking port and skiing pow. No skiing for Samuel. Those tough COVID border closures, he won't be seeing snow this time. No skiing for Samuel. Those tough COVID border closures, he won't be seeing snow this time. 
waters open The snow will have turned to water It'll be time to ski Japan But our airlines have gone under No money to run them So you'll have to sneak away Otherwise No skiing for Samuel Those tough COVID border closures You won't be seeing snow this time No skiing for Samuel those tough COVID border closures You won't be seeing snow this time No skiing for sand No skiing for <laughs> oh, so, I'm gonna miss that guy. So sad. It is sad, and um, we're feeling for you, Sam. We're feeling for you. Come, yeah, yep. Come home, Sam. Come home. <laughs> Hopefully, there'll be uh, a wild change in weather patterns, and maybe Mount Lofty will be an option for skiing later in the season. But knows? Yes, <laughs> we'll have to tune in. Get Ferg back on the show to get a, a snow report on Mount Lofty. Um, thanks, Morgs. We've, uh, this has been fun having a topical issue of those tally guys talking about everything in the, the news recently. I know we haven't done it the last couple of episodes, so it's been good to get a big one out of the way. Yeah. We haven't actually uh, mentioned anything about telemark skiing, though, have we, Rich? No. No, we haven't. But um, uh, free the heel, free the mind. <laughs> <laughs> Drop knees, not thumbs. Well, there's lots shit. of things that's going to affect our telemark skiing, so it's important to get these things out of the way. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to getting some skiing in later this season, though. So hopefully, fingers crossed. I've got my new skins. Yes, I'm, I'm keen to see how they go uphill. They look they look really nice. All right, Morgs. Thanks heaps. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Um, talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Catch you later. Yeah. Stay golden. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetellyguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>